Great to see everybody this morning. You look marvelous, and it's a, a wonderful time of year. I want to especially thank Shamra did a lot of the Christmas decorations. That beautiful tree out there and a lot of these decorations you see all over there. Shamra and my wife Melanie did that, but great job. Thank you so much. It looks amazing. Um, just another invitation to Water Angels next week. That's a ministry we care deeply about. I believe that God kind of wrapped our hearts together when I first moved here. The guy that hung the blinds in my house is married to the woman who founded Water Angels. It is a ministry to homeless people. We go there every month. We see, we've seen people baptized this year. People get saved. Chris is over that ministry, does a great job. You will want to be there next week and see what happens there. They've got a house for people that are in drug rehab, for men and for women, and it's awesome. One more announcement is immediately following this service. If you've been visiting our church, want to know a little bit more about us, and, um, and, and had time to stay for lunch and a little class, we do a class once a month on the first Sunday of the month called Discover Life, and this is the week. And so we're just going to have some pizza after church, and we're going to talk about what we believe and teach talk to you about what maybe some of your spiritual gifts are and just how you can get involved. But if you're ready for that, that's immediately following service. If not, we do that every month, and you can do that at a later point. But uh, we would just love to have you. We are starting our series called Joy, and um, I've been reading the one-year Bible this year, and this particular week I'm in Second Peter uh, and when I read this passage, I thought, I've got to share this with the church this Sunday. So I'm going to preach this morning in a, in a style that preachers call expository preaching, where I'm going to uh, take a, a section of Scripture, preach on a, uh, read a few verses, talk about it, read a few verses, talk about it all the way through from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through uh, verse 15. And I'm going to call this message, Joy to the Church. Judy Bagwell um, is going to help me uh, early on in the uh, in this sermon, so she's coming up uh, to help me a little bit. But I'm going to begin with verse three of Second Peter chapter three, which says, "Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised.'" Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning. It says that in the last days, scoffers will come. In our bulletin, there's a place where you can take notes on the message and some fill-ins. And the first fill-in is simply this. We are living in the last days. And I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking, did he miss the memo this is Christmas? And what are we doing talking about the last days at Christmas? I want to tell you one thing that I do to myself as a discipline, as a pastor, and that is that during this season uh, that some people call Advent, the the four Sundays preceding uh, Christmas, I always preach one sermon on the second coming of Jesus. And by the way, I'm not alone in that. Uh, in the Catholic Church, in the Lutheran Church, in the Methodist Church, uh, churches that use what's called the liturgy, the first Sunday of Advent is always dedicated to talking about the second coming of Jesus. Because Advent means coming, anticipation, looking forward to. And so I'm going to talk about looking forward to the second coming 
of Jesus Christ. I mentioned that I'm reading the one-year Bible, and as the, the way that works, if you've not done it, and I'll just put in a plug that we're moving toward 2015, I want to encourage you to read the one-year Bible. If you've got a smartphone, you can get an app called the Version, which is for free, and, and, you can, and there's different Bible reading plans that you can download. And one's the one-year Bible. The reason I like it is because I get a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb every day. It takes you about 12 to 15 minutes a day. You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. I listen to it a lot. Uh, there's different translations on there that you can that you can read. But almost not a week goes by in my listening to the one-year Bible that I don't come across a passage about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, this week I'm in the Old Testament. I'm in the book of Daniel. Daniel's talking about the end of times. I'm in Second Peter, and it's talking about uh, things that are going to be occurring uh, in the last days. We started by singing a hymn that's become a beloved Christmas carol, which is Joy to the World. Now, there's a little-known fact. A lot of people don't know this, but Joy to the World was written by Isaac Watts, and it was not a Christmas carol. When you listen to Joy to the World, there's no manger, there's no shepherds, there's no wise men. There's nothing in reference to Christmas. He wrote it. uh, The the theme of, of Joy to the World was about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when you listen to those words, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. He was talking about the joy that was coming um, as a result uh, of the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> some of you have been around for a while. Some of you are kind of new to church stuff. But how many of you like grew up in a church and you had this thing behind your seat, uh, a little rack, and there was a book in there called a hymnal? How many remember the hymnals? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we knew the hymn. I, I knew like, like, Page 111 was that Calvary, you know. I mean, I knew like certain hymn numbers that were my favorite and all that kind of stuff. But when I was growing up, we didn't really almost never went through a church service without singing some song about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So sort of as a walk down memory lane, I've asked Judy to come help me, and we're going to sing like a verse of some of these songs. We don't have them up on the screens. You've got to know them from your heart or fake it if you don't. But uh, we're going we're gonna to sing just a little bit. Uh, the first one uh, goes like this. Mm-hmm. When the, the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and Blake's eternal, bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder. How many know that? Come on, now sing it with me. Come on. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there yeah we I mean all that you remember that song that was a good that was a good old song how about this one Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His beauty and His grace. Just one glimpse 
All right, we need singing lessons. We need stop. Come on, I grew up in a church. We had we had mixed races and stuff. I got to teach you guys how to clap. All right? Can you can, can you can you learn how to clap with me? All right, and, and and by the way, you can't clap on the on beat. You have to do it on the off beat. All right? It was like goes like this. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His beauty and His grace. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay. Now when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, when we all, when we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout. Well, that's good. You want to do another verse? While we walk this pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. Now when we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the big. Now that used to get the church pretty excited. Are you excited about that? Come on. Yeah. Give us another one. What a day. What a day that will be. How many know it? When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day. That will be. Apparently, there's one songwriter. He was in Hawaii one time, and he was listening to music, and so he wrote a second coming song with a Hawaiian tune. I always pictured ladies doing this while we were singing this. You remember this song? Here we go. He's coming soon. He's coming. That was a good one. Anyway, we'll move on. How about some glad morning? Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to our home. 
on God's celestial shore. Well, I fly away. Oh, yes. I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'm going to fly away. I'm going to fly away to our home. By and by, fly away. True story. We, we were singing modern songs back in my church in Illinois, and one offertory we decided to do, I'll fly away. I, I kid you not, a man that was 40 years old on the second row who had been a cocaine addict, had given his life to the Lord, the Lord had cleaned him up, died while we were singing that song. And at his funeral, we sang, I'll fly away. It was a, it was a tragedy. And yet his son came in right after that, the second service, after his dad died, came in, received the Lord. That family's still in the church there in Illinois today. It was wonderful to think about, about one day we're going to fly away. Amen. And then, uh, and then we, back in the 70s, there was a guy. I may remember Andre Crouch. He wrote, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Yes, soon and very soon. We are going. Hallelujah, soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. No more crying. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Yeah. No more crying there. We are going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Let's thank Judy. Didn't she do a great job? Thank you, Judy. reason I wanted to do that this morning is because I wanted you to know that there was a time when, when in the church, the, the, the real joy of the church... The joy of the church was that, that we wouldn't always be in this place and that, and that there's loved ones that had gone on before that we were going to catch up with and that the sicknesses that we were facing we weren't always going to put up with and, and the troubles that we were facing in our families wouldn't always be there because we believed that Jesus was coming again and that brought joy to the church. And that's what this message is this morning, joy to the church. Now, I mentioned we're living in the last days, and, and I know some of you are ready for me to take out my charts and prove it to you this morning about why we're living in the last days or, or read the daily newspaper and convince you that we're living in the last days. When I say that we're living in the last days, I'm using a technical term to, to say what the Bible said, and that was that they believed, the New Testament writers, that the time from when Jesus ascended into heaven until he returned again, that space of time was called the last days. Now, in Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews said, In these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. And Peter said, Christ has re- was revealed in these last days for your sake. So we are living in the last days, and that ought to bring joy to our hearts. I'm going to continue to read, if you're following in Second Peter. But they deliberately forget that long ago, 
By God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So he, he, he's reminding them that, that, that water was in the world and that there was a great flood and the world was destroyed. And then he says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, we don't like to think about that, but, but one of the attributes of the second coming is that it is a judgment of the ungodly, and it's called the day of the Lord. In the scripture, it's called the day of the Lord. How many know that every dog has its day? And how many know that ISIS is having their day right now? I mean, ISIS is having their day, and they've got their moment in the sun, and you, and you turn on the news, and you, and, you, and you see them, you know, who the latest people that are being beheaded, or who the latest hostage that was killed, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and every dog has its day. But I'm going to tell you, and the Bible says, the Lord's going to have his day. We're living in a day right now when we kind of get away with stuff, and we're living in a day when God is being patient with us, and all that kind of stuff. But there is a day coming when the ungodly will be judged. And, and the next point is that the earth has an expiration date. Now, we don't think about that because we think that the chair you're sitting on, the, the, the pulpit that I'm preaching from, um, the, the communion set you see in front of you, all that's what's permanent. And according to the Bible, this is all temporary. This is all temporary. And what is permanent is the spiritual world, that, that God created us to be eternal beings. And, 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 and so the scripture writers say that life is a vapor. And, and you don't even have to be a Christian to know that, that, that the world has an expiration date. Global warming people are, 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 are warning us, you know, that, 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 uh, that we're going to eventually burn up if we don't, if, you know, you talk about global warming, you know, when fire comes to the earth. But, uh, but you know, and then, and then there's others that warn that sociologists would say, that we're going to kill ourselves. We got, we got nuclear weapons in the wrong hands and all of that. But, but for the Christian, when, when we look at the Word of God and we look at things around it, yes, those are all signs of the times, but, but we believe that the last great event in history is not just some global warming thing, but it's going to be the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That this world has an expiration date and it's not going to always be here as things are now. Continuing to read, but... But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. And let me just stop for a moment and say, and ask the question, okay, so you're saying that the Lord is coming again and this is, and this is you know, the, the last days and all of that. Well, what about the fact that, you know, before I was born, people were saying that. When I was a kid, people were saying that. Back in the 1800s, people were, in the 1700s, they were saying that. In the 1600s, they were saying They were saying that back in the Apostle Paul's day. And so, so what about that? And, and so, and so the, 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 the writer here anticipates this question, and he says this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the, with, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't that a beautiful passage? If you're taking notes this morning, it's that the Lord is not slow. He's patient. You know, when we think of a thousand years, man, it's been forever since Jesus. It's been a thousand years in God's, on God's watch. You know, when you're thinking in terms of eternity, it's a day. It's just, Jesus just ascended a couple days ago in, in the economy of God. It's just yesterday uh, that he was gone. Why is it the Lord come? It's not because he's slow. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say he was waiting for you. 
He was waiting for you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That the reason that God has not come yet is because he's been waiting for you. It's not that he's slow. It's that he's patient. He's saying, I want more. Man, I love these people so much. I want so many of them to come to know me before I come back. And so the Lord is not is not slow. He's being patient. It's easy to misinterpret the, the delay of his coming. Every generation has said that Jesus is coming again. Some of you are new to the faith, and I just want to say that I'm glad he waited for you. Being ready is not difficult, but it is required. It's required that we're in a state of readiness. God's made it easy for us to go to heaven, and he's made it hard for us to go to hell. And, uh, but it is important that we're ready. Now, uh, we're going to continue to read, but the day of the Lord, I, I mentioned to you that when you read in the scripture, the day of the Lord, it's not a good thing. The day of the Lord, it's not a good thing, uh, excuse me, for the ungodly. Do I need to switch to a handheld? My battery's wearing thin. My wife's been telling me that for a long time. But. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. I mentioned to you that every dog has its day, but the day of the Lord is coming. And and so this passage is saying to us as you're taking notes, live as if Jesus was coming today. If we had some insider knowledge that, that Jesus was going to come on December the 8th, 2014, do you think we'd have any empty seats at Life Church this morning? You think if Knoxville knew that Jesus was going to come on December the 8th, that there'd be any empty seats? We'd have every seat full. They'd be out in the lobby. They'd be standing out in the yard. We'd have loudspeakers out there, and people would be falling on their faces before God, wanting to be ready because because we had insider knowledge. And and, and, and the truth is, we don't know when he's coming. You know, this past week, there was a, um, uh, our house has been for sale, and, and, um, so we haven't been having to live in a state of readiness. We have one hour from the time that the realtor calls to say someone's coming to your house. Imagine my predicament with Noah living in my house. Any hour they can call. Or, or in fairness, my wife has to live with me. Any hour they can call. And within one hour's time, we've got to be ready because... Because someone's going to come and look at our house. Last Saturday, you know, we've been minding our own business. Nobody's been looking at our house. We've been, it's been on the market, you know, 50 days. Nobody's looking at our house. Last Saturday, the phone rings. Someone wants to see your house. Vacuum cleaners were flying. Dishes were flying. Everything was, you know, we were, we, we, we turned our house upside down in, in an hour's time. And when they came in, soft music was playing and candles were burning as if it was always that way. Cookies. And they bought our house. Yeah. Sad news is we are now homeless, so. But 
we've got to live in a state of readiness as if he's coming today. And, 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 and Peter says this, how would we live our lives? How should we be living if it's possible that Jesus could come at any moment? How should we treat our neighbor? How should we treat our brother and sister? How should we treat uh, our business? How should the Democrats and the Republicans treat one another? How, how should we behave if, if we believed that Jesus could come at any time. I know this is old-fashioned preaching. I know our ears aren't attuned to it. I know we're living, you know, we've sang all those old hymns. How many new uh, praise choruses can you think of that have to do with the second coming of Jesus? Not many. Not many. We don't hear about it anymore. We don't sing about it anymore. Uh, there's some, there's Revelation song that, that, that transports us into, in, in, into what the world's going to be. And, but but not like it was when, when, when I was young. And, boy, I sound like an old-fashioned preacher now. Back when I was a boy, we were ready. No, <laughs> anyway. But I know that, 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 that to 2014 years, this is not a common thing to hear. But I believe that the Holy Spirit sent me this morning in Christmas 2014 to remind us at Life Church and in Knoxville that we need to be ready, that we are living in the last days, and that Jesus could come at any moment. And it does matter how we're living our lives. Live as if He's coming today. I was pastoring when 9 11 happened. The Sunday after 9 11. Churches were full. We had, we had mass attendance. That people were, were troubled. They didn't know what was happening. But it was interesting as, as that sort of died down, you know, the people that were just kind of coming by to, to, to get a fire escape, if you will, just kind of trailed off. But what would happen if we lived in a constant state of readiness that, that, that just like we had to be ready for our house, that the realtor could call at any moment? You don't know. How is it that we would, how would our families, can? What, what difference would it make in our church lives? How would it be if we knew that Jesus was coming and we believed that he could come at any time? We need to live, ladies and gentlemen. We need to live life, church. We need to live, my friends, as if Jesus could come today. That's good preaching, Pastor Bill. All right. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Continuing to read, but in keeping with the promise, we are, now, now I want you to say these words, we are looking forward. Could you turn to your neighbor and say, we're looking forward. This is not a fear sermon. This is not a, this is a joy sermon. Oh, we're looking forward. You know what? My mom, who I was named after, can't talk about it this morning. She's diagnosed with breast cancer this week. I don't know what the news is going to be on Monday, but I'm looking forward to a day when there's no more sickness, when there's no more pain, when there's no more strife, when there's no more unemployment, when there's no more troubles, when there's no more fighting, when there's no more battles. Keeping with the promise, we're looking forward, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I didn't tell them this in the first service, so you got a bonus by coming to the second service. But you know how the early church used to greet one another? They didn't say, praise the Lord. They didn't say, how are you doing? You know what they said? Maranatha. Turn to your neighbor and say, Maranatha. 
You know what you just told them? You told them Jesus is coming. You told them Jesus is coming. The early church would just, instead of, how you doing, man, they'd say, Maranatha. What if when we greeted one another, there was just that sense, hey, Jesus is calling you, and hallelujah. Maranatha. Maranatha, I know we're going through some stuff, Mike, but Jesus is coming. Maranatha, man. Maranatha, dude. You know what I'm saying? Maranatha. Maranatha. You know, just by repeating that over and over, there was just that awareness. You know, this could be the day. We don't know. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. We're looking forward to this, man. When we used to sing those songs on Sundays, I'm telling you what, the church got excited when we sang, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. So then, friends, since you're looking forward to this, Now, for all of us who grew up in legalistic churches, this is where it gets tough. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. I want to say to all of those of you who grew up like I did, you know, you know this, this is a point where we're talking about the joy of the second coming. A lot of us grew up teaching the fear of the second coming. <laughs> the fear of the second. We, we had evangelists that would come around and preach to churches and say, if Jesus doesn't come by the year 2000, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I, I remember some revivals where they would just, they would dangle you over hell, you know. And and uh, I, I was telling somebody about a revival that, that people were so scared Jesus was coming that, that 15-year-olds were getting married so they could experience what that was like before Jesus came back. You know what I'm saying? People were just doing dumb stuff. You know, there was, there was uh, heaven's going to be better than that. That's what I'm telling you. But, uh, but, but, but this is not a fear message. We sing joy to the world, but we really ought to sing joy to the church. Joy to the church. Because when it says be blameless and be spotless and be at peace with him, here's what I've learned in life. There's only one spotless lamb. There's only one who's lived a blameless life. And I'm not going to go to heaven. You know, I used to be afraid that if I was thinking one bad thought, at that moment when Jesus came back, it was just going to be like the luck of the draw. He caught me when I was mad at my mom, and I wasn't going. I don't think that anymore. Even when I have a bad thought, I'm his son. Because I'm not trusting in my spotlessness. I'm not trusting in my righteousness. But this morning we took communion, which is to say, I'm trusting in somebody who we sang about it this morning who paid it all. Jesus paid it all. He was the spotless one who took on my sins. And it says, so make your peace with him. Make your peace with him. He's the one that's going to, you know, I'm kind of simple. Here, here's, my, here's my explanation of the gospel. I don't mean this in a crass way at all because I think this is literally how the devil means it. The devil looks at you and he says, go to hell. And Jesus threw a body block and said, over my dead body. 
And to get to hell, you're going to have to go past the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he made it possible so that we could be ready. Now, I do think it matters how you live because, frankly, once you put your trust in Jesus and you get that old-time religion, it makes you love everybody. it'll, It'll change the way that you treat your wife. It'll change the way that you live your life. Because it's not just a decision that you're making, but it's being born again. doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake again, but it means that you have a new nature in you now and, and that there's an internal governor. And when you feel like doing wrong stuff, the Holy Spirit's there convicting you because you're a new person. So this morning as we, as we end our service, I'm going to invite us. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit sent me on December 7th 2014 to preach a message that could have been preached 2,000 years ago. It's not necessarily modern kind of preaching. It's not necessarily seeker-sensitive kind of preaching and all of that kind of stuff because there is a downside. If you're on the wrong side of history, the day of the Lord's not going to be good. But if you put your trust in Jesus, this kind of preaching is an invitation to be on the right side of His story, history right side of his story. He made it so that we could have a way and we're living in a day of his grace when how many are, how many are thankful that when you were out living your own way that Jesus didn't come back at that time. I'm glad he was I'm glad he was patient because he's been waiting for you and he's been waiting for me but he's not going to wait for is going to come again. And that's the hope of the church. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning. And we're going to do business with God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this isn't just a little thing that we do at the end of service, but this could be a, this could be This could be the first day of the rest of your life. This could be the turning point in your story. As you say, God, I I quit trying on my own, and today I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to put my hope in you. So I'm going to invite us all to pray this prayer along with me. Heavenly Father, this morning I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I confess, Lord, that my way has not worked. I confess, Lord, that I'm a sinner and I've missed the mark and I need, Lord, what only you can do for me, and I need your forgiveness, and I need your cleansing, and I need you to take my punishment for you, for me, and you already did, but today I accept that forgiveness. I accept your acceptance of me, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I begin a new life in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer with me this morning. Would you raise your hand in this building? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And how many today would say that today I just want a new sense of readiness? I want I want this message to speak to me this week about my need just to live my life as if you could come today. Would you raise your hand all over this place? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Could we just thank the Lord that he's been patient with us? Could we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. This time, we, we take the offering at the end of our service. That way, if you've made a commitment, you can write that down uh, in that place in your bulletin. Or if you have a prayer request, you can put it on there. God bless you as you give this morning. I'm just going to pray that God's going to give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Lord, I just thank you for your people as they give this morning. I pray that you would bless them. and I pray, God, that you would not only meet the needs of this church, but meet the needs of the givers this morning. And I just pray, Lord, that our church, Lord, would just be on fire with this sense of readiness, Lord, this sense of imminence, Lord, that you could come at any time. And I thank you for loving us enough that you put it all the way through the Bible. Be ready, be ready, be ready. I am coming again. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.